Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Slash Her. I am Adrian, and Stormy and I have the privilege today of being joined by the editor of Scream 6, Jay Prashidney. Thank you so much, Jay, for joining us today. Hi, it's my pleasure. So good to meet you, too. Yes, us too. <laughs> now, anytime we have anybody on our podcast, we always like to kind of pick the brain in relation to horror. So do you know exactly what got you into the world of horror? Do you have any early memories of the genre? Oh, I was always like a, <laughs> what's the word? Slightly disturbed kid? I don't know. Um, So, I get it. you know, <laughs> when I was, uh, you know, growing up in the age of video stores and stuff, I mean, I'd always sneak off to the horror aisle and check out the VHS box covers and look at, you know, the and Nightmare on Elm Street was definitely my favorite. Those were like the most intense box covers. And I, <laughs> you know, just kind of stare at them. And, you know, I mean, even now, I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street's probably my, I, I mean, I had, I didn't see them till years after that. But even now, probably Nightmare on Elm Street is like, you know, among my favorite horror franchises for sure, just because of the imagination and the kind of a creativity of it. You know, I mean, those are the kinds of things I really spark to. Yeah, for sure. Do you have a favorite one of those films? Um, It's, you know, my favorite probably isn't the first one, which is... <laughs> <laughs> it isn't mine either so you are in safe company here <laughs> i feel like you're not supposed to say that right. uh, <laughs> even in scream six they say the first one's the best one uh, but you know it's hard for me to decide it's either the third one or new nightmare it's kind of depending on the day <laughs> yes those are my two favorite as well i love dream warriors so much and i love new nightmare just for what Wes does with that movie Mm -hmm. um so yeah those are my two favorites also work work the taste i can taste it you know <laughs> yeah. we need to redo that mindy uh we need to redo that mindy kirby scene from scream six and talk about the real best nightmare on stream movie. okay <laughs> literally i was sitting there in the movie theater when they said that they were like you know best nightmare and they're like the original and i was like okay like i get it but dream warriors is just so great the return of fancy loomis just the expansion of the dream world altogether people being able to have their own abilities yeah. in the dream world to fight freddy krueger was so cool because he seems just so like daunting as a horror villain so being able to yeah. fight him was just so cool um yeah but you know what we appreciate the love for the original it's a classic <laughs> oh it's probably my third favorite third favorite <laughs> <Sigh> <laughs> <up> there. <laughs> they're all really good you know as a queer person i always got a rep for uh nightmare 2 also just because i really do enjoy it but yeah the yeah. third one as a kid you know that just stuck out to me it was just it was the most fun i think out of all of them at that point um and before we do jump yeah. into scream i do want to pick your brain a little bit on just your journey as an editor um because for me that is like such a daunting task and that is like there's so much responsibility in a film to be the editor so what exactly like led you to enter into the world of being an editor well i mean from a really young age i was like really fascinated by films and filmmaking and i guess to me that kind of translated into being a director at that time you know i mean that's just what i kind of always imagined um, and then at a certain point, I kind of just, you know, kind of in university, I kind of realized actually editing is kind of really an awesome part of it. And really kind of the part that's really almost the most fun in a way for me. Um, 
So, and looking back on it, like may maybe it makes sense, you know, like maybe in my earlier years, I was just really fascinated by the construction of film. And that's why I was shooting things and writing things and filming things to kind of have things to edit. Probably, maybe it's like a real part of it just to really, because I was fascinated by the construction. And so I guess that kind of makes sense that I would <laughs> move into constructing films. <laughs> yeah. The puzzle piecing is amazing. I My brain doesn't work like that. I'm not geared that way, but it's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Do you have any editors like specifically whose work you look towards for inspiration? Um, I mean, I mean, the classic is like Walter Murch, you know, I mean, who uh, uh, has written a number of books on the topic. And, you know, definitely the books that he wrote were kind of really influential when I was starting coming up in my career um yeah so uh um he's a big one uh, uh he edited um the english patient and uh cold mountain and a, a whole bunch of uh, francis ford coppola movies as well and he was a sound designer as well so um he's one that was and his just theory and philosophy around editing was really interesting to me um, and then, you know, there'd just be, you know, editors who I'd kind of just watch their work. Um, you know, I mean, Patrick Lussier was the editor of the Scream movies and New Nightmare and uh, Halloween H2O. And, you know, I mean, definitely at that time, you know, I was starting to pay attention with like who's paying attention, who's uh, editing these movies. And uh, so definitely he was someone I paid attention to. And there were a lot of editors who... Um, you know, kind of uh, got my attention. Did you go back and like with the editing of those first three films uh, that he was a part of, did you go back and like specifically kind of try to take inspiration from like the tone and like the feeling? Because I know Scream 6, it definitely has its own vibe. It definitely feels like such a fresh new take on the franchise as a whole. Um, yeah. But did you go back and like watch those films like like just strategically trying to figure out maybe ways to kind of add in those tones from those films to the most recent film? Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch them again specifically. The only one I watched again was Scream 5 because that was the same directors and stuff. But I mean, I've seen the movies so many times I kind of didn't need to watch them again. <laughs> yes, exactly. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> like for the purpose of editing the film. But definitely, you know, when I first got the job, because there were certain, you know, tones and emotions that I really associate with the Scream franchise that um, I intentionally wanted to bring into this movie. Um, definitely one of them, you know, and for me, they are kind of more present in those early Scream movies. Um, what I called for myself, just the tragic inevitability. <laughs> right. That was just my, that was just something I called it for myself to remember that that's something in those early movies that I really love kind of, um, you know, knowing something bad's going to happen, and you know, in, in in those films, it takes on almost kind of mythic quality. And Wes Craven often looked things through the lens of myth. And, you know, I think the idea of the tragedy of uh, the Scream movies was something, uh, and the emotion of that was something that was really present in those early movies. You know, the deaths were like epic tragedies, you know, um, yes. kind of dealt with in a different way than certain other slasher movies. Um, so that was definitely I knew I needed to bring that somehow. And I think for me, the biggest scene for that in Scream 6 was Annika's death, 
um, because you know that Annika's death is coming kind of way before it happens. And <laughs> yeah, it's kind of sure. living in that kind of emotion and drama of it, you know, and, and playing the emotion of that rather than just the tension of, oh, is she going to cross the ladder or not? You know, because you kind of know she's not. So it's about playing the kind of large scale tragic emotions of that. So that was one thing. Yeah, and I can definitely feel that vibe for sure in that scene in particular. Um, I love it so much. Uh, also, really quickly, too, because I do want to pick your brain on Scream, you know, nonstop. Uh, but I do also kind of want to ask really quickly, because I know that you also have edited uh, television shows or like episodic television shows, Orphan Black, Wednesday, alongside Jenna Ortega also. Is there like a difference in editing something that's like 45 minutes in like comparison to a full feature length film? Um. You know, it's interesting. I mean, for me, editing is always about storytelling and emotion. And in in that way, there really isn't a, a lot of difference. Um, you know, because I've also edited reality shows and documentaries. And I guess I kind of approach everything kind of the same way in terms of, you know, what is a story you're trying to tell? How are you trying to convey it? And what kind of emotion do you want the audience to have? Um, so in that way, it's similar in ways that they're different, I don't know. I mean, you you just, I guess the main just practical difference is there's a lot more footage overall to deal with in a, <laughs> in a feature film. Um, they shoot, well, it depends on the director too, of course, but in general, they shoot more and there's kind of more options. So, but I feel like generally my work itself is kind of really similar. Okay, I love that. Yeah, let's definitely get into Scream because there's just <laughs> so much to pick your brain on here. Um, if you do want to start it off, Storm. Yeah, so we heard you say that you're a fan of the Scream films. So what was it like to be asked to tackle the editing on Scream 6? I mean, I was thrilled because I was such a huge fan. I mean, yeah, I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street was one of my favorite and scream was one of my favorites as well i mean they're they're probably the movies i've watched the most in terms of like horror franchises kind of returning to them again and again um so i mean it was really like a really like a perfect job for me you know um because i was such a big fan you know i mean i i saw all the scream movies in theaters um the first one I snuck into as a 16 year old <laughs> I had to oh, you know buy a ticket to something else and then sneak into the theater and then the last one Scream 5 I saw in Romania yeah and then the last one I saw uh in Romania when I was editing Wednesday you know so I went to yeah one of the cineplexes in Romania to go see it there that is so cool. I also love that you snuck into Scream. When I was around the same age, like 14, 15, I snuck into Paranormal Activity 2. Um, so I just love that. I love that people sneak into horror movies. Like it's <laughs> one of those things with horror that is just like, it's with those experiences that you like, you know, build up with watching those kinds of movies. Uh, yeah. That is yeah, so funny. I had to sneak into both Scream and Scream 2 because <laughs> it just came out the next year and I was still so yeah they were quick with that second one so <laughs> yeah that is so cool i snuck into my first one for uh the haunting of emily rose or the exorcism yeah Ooh. Oh. I love, yeah. I love that we all have snuck into <laughs> horror movies that is the best thing in the world um and i do want to mention too listen with this film the pacing is immaculate because it is the longest movie in the franchise but it does not feel like it 
in any way. We've seen the movie now three times <laughs> to theater. expose yeah. ourselves. Oh, wow. <laughs> we have gotten paid to see this movie three times. Um, Great. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but like each time, like it, it's just so easy to sit down and watch this movie. Um, and it's just it's crazy. And we're also looking at so much blending of like character-driven moments and so much focus on the core four. But then we also have so many great like horror action sequences. So like what was like the aspect of like blending all that together? I mean, I love that kind of thing. I mean, I think a lot of the things that I've worked on, you know, like Orphan Black, Wednesday, uh, you know, I mean, so much of it is about mixing tones. I love things like that, that can be horror, scary, uh, but then funny or dramatic or emotional. And I think that's just, I I always try to work on projects like that because that's, and really more of a, it's a more of a fun editing challenge in a way. And it's a great tool to kind of, um, you know, uh, keep the audience engaged. And that's what I like about it is because the audience never quite knows what they're going to get. Like, is this a funny scene? Is it a, is it a dramatic scene? And that's part of the fun of it is kind of um, leading the audience through that journey. So that's just something I've always sparked to in editing is uh, kind of how do you kind of shift through different tones, you know? Um yeah, and kind of give the audience, you know, like in Scream 6, you give like a warm, funny, around the dinner table scene with the core four, you know, we're all, we're, they're all bonding. And then you just smash into this like intense <laughs> action horror scene, right? And, you know, that's just part of the fun of it is being able to shift tones oh, yeah. like that. I also love that you mentioned the comedic portion of it as well, because there were so many good just like comedy beats in this movie, in particular with the scene, of course, where Mindy's kind of deconstructing like where they are in the franchise. Just, I mean, obviously, kudos also just to the actors just for being able to like give like yeah. the most funny reactions. But the editing, which is so great in those kinds of things, because I just always laugh at that scene in particular because just the cuts to people's faces when she's talking, oh, just their confused, uh, their confusion is just so <laughs> hilarious to me. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, and it's also, you know, that was kind of one of the most overtly comedic scenes in the movie. But, you know, I mean, something the directors really like, um, just as a kind of kind of humor, is the kind of humor that's almost like inappropriate humor. The stuff that on the surface does seems like it's maybe not even a joke, but you're laughing anyway. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. the kind of stuff, you know, so, you know, that does make this movie a little bit different from the other Scream movies is um there's a little bit more of that kind of humor where it's all it almost seems like unintentional jokes sometimes like the audience is almost laughing at something and they don't kind of fully know it's a joke you know like um you know like uh, an example in like the sam's opening therapy scene when she says she shot richie you know she stabbed richie 32 times you know i mean that was <laughs> You know, there are lots of different ways to play that, you know, and there were versions that were more kind of overtly comic, but the kind of stuff that the directors really respond to is when it's just like really straight, you know, it's just like matter of fact, and that's kind of makes it more funny in a way. It does. I love it because it feels more natural because I feel like in most situations, like people are going to find the funny in anything that they can, especially when it's just a dark situation like this. So I just love it. Like you said, especially like with the therapy scene, um, 
it's just funny because we're supposed to be taking this seriously, but then like just seeing the therapist's reactions to everything, it yeah. just, it's so great. Because I mean, you really, you're correct. I really do think this is probably besides Scream Three, where it's so overtly campy and funny, where yeah. it's like it just blended so well and it comes together in just like the best way. I love it so much. I love horror comedies, so it was just like it hit the sweet spot for me for sure. And it's so great, like watching that. I mean, you've seen it in the theaters three times. I mean, I've seen it with an audience, <laughs> I guess, two or three times. It's like. Uh, you know, the audience reaction is so fantastic, especially oh, yes. kind of going into the last third of the movie, pretty much the audience is cheering and clapping. And it's just it's so exciting. Yeah, that last scene is amazing. In our last rewatch that we did, <laughs> I think it was just last week, um, the audience reaction was great. And like, it's now been out for you know a couple of weeks. But so we were sitting there and like, just seeing everybody react to everything is always the best experience. That's the, my favorite thing. In going pretty back. Full th- oh, sorry. Did you oh, see no, it in pretty full theaters? Every time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Every time, isn't yeah. that what's that's so crazy to me? Like every single time that we went in, it was a packed theater. Which awesome. Is awesome, yeah. Which adds to the experience of everything. Oh, totally. It's for such sure. like a you know, it's such a ride for the audience to go on with this movie, you know. And you really, I think, I think it's like a feel good. We talked about it as like being a secret feel good movie. It's like you leave the movie and you feel great. <laughs> yeah. You feel like you've had fun and you've had an experience, and just doing that with other people is just. uh really enhances that yeah and a lot of it really comes down to again just like the character work because i think melissa does fantastic in this job and sam as a whole definitely feels like the anchor throughout the film for sure um in one particular scene too like in the shrine scene i know there's like a lot to take in on that scene because you know we're getting a lot of throwbacks and we're seeing a lot of reactions from other characters but i love that with like the editing it all just kind of comes back to sam's initial like how it all kind of builds into sam's reaction to everything and then we're like lead straight into yeah. seeing billy for the first time in this film so that was really cool yeah that was definitely my intention in doing that because you know it is such a huge ensemble cast that it can start to get kind of you know like a little too many threads going on so Mm -hmm. that was that was something that I really um connected to was to show it from Sam's perspective kind of as much as possible show characters relationships uh events mainly from her perspective just to really ground it um so yeah so you know the theater scene was something for sure that um, I just, you know, really thought her perspective was kind of the most interesting also because she's having this kind of dark psychological thing going on. And I'm always interested in when people have weird <laughs> psychological stuff going on because you can kind of get inside their head with the editing a bit. So that was yeah. kind of my take on that um, theater scene. Well, and it feels so like monumental because we know so much about Sam and this is the first time that we kind of lean into like the focus on Billy and who she is to him and and yeah. the fact that he his suit is on a pedestal um just the zoom in i there's a shot where like they show all of the um the shot where they show all of them and then you kind of they pan into the focus on Billy is yeah chef's kiss <laughs> yeah 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 no that was really great you know i think also just the directors Matt and Tyler you know, really shot that Billy stuff so well, you know, I think, you know, they wanted to kind of improve on what they had done in Scream 5. And I, I do think that these uh, scenes just worked so well Mm -hmm. with Billy. 
Yeah, she is a force in this movie. I mean, everybody's fantastic. The core four, definitely, of course. I just love that there was so much focus on them. I know a lot of fans are like, you know, they get kind of upset when, you know, Kirby or Gale doesn't have as much to do. But I just love, again, just the work with them so much because it just adds so much to this movie. It adds so much life to this franchise. Um, and we still have, like, the beats of Gale and Kirby. Like, we still have the legacy characters, if you will, who can still come in and, like, add that little the little dash of scream that we all recognize from, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. But it's nice to be able to focus on these new characters, like the scene with um, Chad and Tara. It was a little random that they were together, but the scene that kind of we see them first <laughs> together, like sitting down and talking and just like the close ups and like just the yeah. cuts there. Um, it just adds to it. It makes me root for them as a couple when I wasn't anticipating yeah. that in any way. So it's just great. And I also love the scene at the table with Sam and Tara where they're like talking about Sam's experience with people hating her yeah. and kind of like the parallels between, yeah. you know, the film in real life and people's reaction to her in Scream 5. Um, that scene was also really great. And just the way it's all put together is just so masterful. And then, like you said, to go from that to the latter scene is crazy. And you did mention that's one of your favorite <laughs> scenes. Was that like your favorite scene to edit altogether? Or is the, does that honor go to another scene in this movie? Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was probably one of the harder action scenes to edit. Um, it was kind of I think it is my favorite, probably, um, just because I love, you know, I mean, a lot of a lot of the scenes are very tense and they're about the suspense, which is great. I mean, those scenes really work. But I think for me personally, I just love that latter scene because it's so action packed and intense and emotional and, you know, fast paced. And I just love that kind of thing. Um, so it's definitely it's definitely one of my favorite, um, you know, set piece scenes in the movie to watch. Uh, it was probably the hardest one to edit too. Um, uh, just we kind of went over that a lot um, because it, it's, you know, it, it's kind of a difficult, it's something you just have to really keep moving really fast because if you slow down, it just, you start to question too much about everything that's going on and it starts to lose effectiveness because just watching three people cross a ladder is like repetitive, you right. know? And if you just play that kind of normally, it's really boring. Yeah. <laughs> so, you out. know, um, <laughs> kind of, yeah. So kind of like giving it, um, you know, a uh, build to a climax was kind of, you know, kind of probably one of the hardest editing challenges in the movie. But I mean, also, you know, I mean, you talked about the character work, I mean, for me and for the directors, especially, I mean, the character scenes were some of the stuff we felt most protective over um, because, you know, it was really important to kind of pass the torch to the new character. I mean, we'd already done that, but still to really, you know, um, invest the audience in these characters um so you know i mean all of those emotional scenes as chad tara scene on the bed that you said um you know the scene in the quad where um tara and sam are arguing um all of those scenes you know we felt it was really important to really give those scenes their time i guess we were i say protective because we felt maybe that people would um, come for those scenes if we needed to cut down on running time and stuff. So we were kind of like all ready to like fight for them and defend them. Um, but, but I mean, no one ever kind of gave us pressure for running time and no one ever um, was a 
um, critical of those scenes that we kind of expected them to be, you know, even just in a small way, like, oh, can you just trim this up, make this all go a little faster would have been a really normal note to get. But, you know, it was really, we never faced any pressure like that at all. So it was really, you know, we were able to present the characters in the scenes kind of how we thought best, which was really amazing. And just um, that everyone the you know the studios the producers uh just completely uh were behind the vision of the movie which was amazing oh that's nice to hear for sure so if somebody has made it through this uh interview to this point <laughs> without seeing the movies this is your warning um <laughs> I'm not sure why you're listening, but whatever. <laughs> uh, so as everyone should know by now, the film has three ghost face killers. Um, when it comes to a particular person behind the mask in a scene, do you make any intentional editing choices to kind of lead into like hinting at this as a specific killer? Or Yeah, I mean, that's always the kind of uh, game of it, right? Is Right. You know, it's, um, you know, because you want to give information about, you want to give clues about the killer, but you don't want it to be too obvious. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's always the kind of tricky part. And because also you don't want it to be just out of nowhere when the ghost face killer reveals himself. It, it, you want it to feel like it's been leading up to this and it makes sense. So that's the weird dance is how do you lead up to something, but also not make it obvious that's right. like the weird <laughs> challenge yeah. of these types of movies. Um, so, you know, I mean, we, I mean, I guess the main thing we did was we just, you know, we did what we felt was right, you know, and we'd kind of debate amongst ourselves, you know, me, the directors, Matt and Tyler, uh, the producers, Chad Villela and Jamie Vanderbilt. Um, you know, creatively, we just kind of discuss amongst ourselves what we thought was too much, what was too obvious, you know, how do we pull back? And then we do screenings and we talk to people kind of all along the way, like just fresh audiences. And we talked to them, we'd stop the movie like 20 minutes in, 40 minutes in, something like that. And, um, you know, ask them who they think, you know, and from that feedback, we kind of got the idea that it wasn't really predictable um, because people kept changing their idea. There, there was no, you know, um it's always tricky when a movie's over because then they say oh i knew who it was exactly. the whole time which <laughs> exactly. is <Yeah>. why <laughs> which is why we wanted to stop the movie before the ending and say who do you think it is and just from that it seemed like we had done a pretty good job at making people suspect all kinds of different people so we felt pretty confident that we had hidden the ball i don't know it's hard to say it's hard to be objective about that no, I definitely yeah. think so, especially on first watch. I mean, it's always going to be confusing on first watch because you're always going to be questioning yourself. But obviously, now, you know, we've seen it three times. So, like, going back <laughs> and watching those scenes, like, it could just be our minds telling us something. But, like, going back and, like, oh, this is probably this person because, like, in particular with the bodega scene, like, that definitely yeah. feels like Detective Bailey just because everything feels more focused. You know, we get shots of his feet. He's walking around. He's using the gun. Like, it just feels a lot more, well, no, I'm not going to say tense, but it just feels more focused with how that 
Ghostface yeah. is approaching the situation in comparison to like Gail's chase scene where um, of course it is um, his daughter behind the mask. And like, that feels a little bit more chaotic. She feels a little bit more, you know, she's trying to kill a legacy character. So that ghost yeah. feels a little bit more, you know, on the edge, a little bit more all, all over the place. So maybe it's just coming back on those rewatches. Like it kind of sticks out. Yeah. Like even with Roger Jackson, like coming back and listening to the phone calls, I'm like, Oh yeah, I feel like he's definitely trying to portray this person a little bit more. Right. But on first yeah. watch, you're always like, mm, I, it could be anybody. It could literally be anybody. And that's, you know, that's definitely part of the fun with it. I mean, we definitely think about rewatches, you know, right. and what, how things play on a second viewing. Uh, we talk about that a lot because that's so much of the fun is how do you kind of reinterpret this all again when you see it a second time, you know? Um, and so you were thinking about the second time viewers as well when we're putting scenes together and, you know, things that'll be fun for them to kind of see your piece together. But even we had like different points of view over like who was the killer. I mean, obviously, in <laughs> certain scenes, I mean, um, you know, I know one that we that we argued over a lot. I mean, they're the directors, so I guess they're right. But <laughs> but um uh, in the scene with Quinn and Ghostface, you know, just prior to the latter scene, mm -hmm. you know, I felt really strongly that that was Bailey in that scene, and they felt right. really strongly it was Ethan. <laughs> so, you know, Ethan. even... <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, I think it was Ethan in the costume. So, mm -hmm. in that scene... That's what I they think... said, yeah. Yeah, so I mean... It said. So, I don't know. I guess it's Ethan. Fine, whatever. But I guess... <laughs> For me, it was Bailey because I assume they would have checked his alibi. Well, it sounded like they checked his alibi and it turned out. So for me, that meant it was Bailey. But anyway, different people can have different opinions. We're on your side on this one because I also <laughs> thought it was Bailey. Because at one point when he, when he comes in, like when he bursts through the room and throws Quinn on the ground and he grabs Annika by the throat and picks her up. I'm like, there's no way not to attack like Jack champion in any way i was like but there's no way that ethan is picking up this girl with one hand and throwing her against the walls like that gives me detective bailey vibes for sure but coming back after listening to of course the directors talk about it, i'm like oh no it's ethan i was like okay well it works but i definitely felt like it was detective bailey for sure <laughs> but it makes the rewatches fun because when you go back specifically with this film i think it's so fun with there being three ghost face killers because it definitely yeah. just opens up the floodgate of like okay well who could this be who could that be it just makes rewatches so much more fun i mean hello we've been there three times already so <laughs> <laughs> i do want to ask because when it comes into like getting into like the viewer's mind and orchestrating like jump scares because we've seen so many before you know in horror was there like anything that you did to try to like maybe switch up the pace a little bit or just kind of add to that because in particular i will say with the subway scene there was a lot of like pov shots like we were kind of put into mindy's shoes a lot which just really kind of added to it because every time i see that scene i jump um like just constantly i'm always jumping in that scene <laughs> and i know what's happening so i just don't know if like if you kind of if you approach them any differently with this film yeah i mean definitely i mean again it's like you know i mean when you're you know making content for an audience that is so savvy you know and the horror the horror fan audience is just so savvy you know they can just piece together what's going to happen from like just a frame in a trailer right you know it's like it's crazy <laughs> so it's like um you know definitely you yeah so i mean one one thing that i tried to do was to 
um, yeah, sometimes have an unpredictable pace to things. Um, so, you know, I mean, we, we talked about it often, like lulling the audience into kind of thinking something is going to happen and then kind of subverting that expectation. So that that's something we kind of modulated in the editing for sure to, um, you know, try to just, you know, keep people surprised, you know, um, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's so hard again it's just one of those things that's so hard to be objective on because I've seen the movie like hundreds of times so yeah. I know where everything's happening but uh you know so it's it's good that you said that you did find the scenes kind of surprising <laughs> no you did fantastic fantastic work yeah because i jump every single time uh especially in that side boy scene like i don't know what it is it's just like the setup of it it just always gets me um it was great yeah you did a phenomenal job though truly awesome was there anything that left on the cutting room floor that you wish you could have kept in no i mean um the uh you know like i said there was there wasn't any pressure to reduce the running time i thought for sure that um but you know also because it's two hours two minutes i thought people might just think that's an odd number or an odd <laughs> length you know it's just get it under two hours but no i mean people just love the movie um and we're totally behind it so you know it's really you know what's in the movie and what's out of the movie is because um, you know, we really just as a creative team, me and the directors and the producers um, were able to just, you know, do what we thought was best for the film. Um, we had a few deleted scenes or deleted moments. And, you know, we kind of looked at them as um, possible to kind of go on the Blu-ray. But then the directors kind of decided, like, it's not really adding anything. You know, they were taken out because we didn't like them <laughs> so you know it's kind of right that they're out <laughs> so just kind of wrapping up here just with the world of scream in general um what would you say your favorite scream film is in the franchise oh uh, well i have to go with the first one for sure <laughs> <laughs> definitely understandable uh, the nightmare fans are already riled up so we got to make sure the scream <laughs> fans aren't too i mean crazy. you know when i saw that movie when i was a kid it just it was, it was huge for me. And, you know, I mean, the acting and the characters were part of it. The The mystery element of it was huge. I mean, I don't think I'd ever seen quite a film like that that had this kind of murder mystery aspect to it where you're trying to guess the killer. And that part yes. and the game of that um, and the reveal was just yes. so fun. So, you know, I, I, you know, I'd never really seen anything like it. And again, like the emotion of it, you know, and that Drew Barrymore scene, the being the real actual emotion of that, you know, I, mm -hmm. I don't think I'd ever really seen anything like that at the time. So, you know, it's hard to say anything other than the first movie, because it was just the first one. And, you know, <laughs> in so many ways, it was so fresh and new for me. Um, mm -hmm. So I love that. You know, and then, I mean, it's it's hard to rank them afterwards, especially because I've edited one now. So that makes me really biased. But, <laughs> right. You know, I have to, I mean, I have to say Scream 6 is my second favorite. I mean, I have, what, what am I going to say? I mean, hey, if that's the most fresh and new since the first, so you wouldn't be too incorrect there. <laughs> <laughs> and then Scream 4 is probably, I think, my favorite. <laughs> 
end. Yes, I love Scream Force yeah. so much. So yes, I hate that people. I mean, it it depends, you know. But on rankings, I feel like it's always kind of lower. But I'm like, I love Scream Force so much. Like it's just so good. Jill is like my favorite killer. So I, Jill, I love I love Stu Mocker, but I also I love Jill. Jill is definitely way up there. Her motivation for Scream Four is just so great. It really makes that whole movie for me in a big way. So yeah, before Scream 6, I said Scream 4 was my second favorite for sure. Mm. Okay. So Stu, your fave like Ghostface Killer? Yeah. Or would yeah, it be Jill? Yeah, it's probably, probably Stu and then Jill probably, yeah. <laughs> Love that. Okay, safe bet. Mine are the complete opposite, so that <laughs> works. Jill and then Stu and Billy are like right <laughs> yeah. there neck and neck for sure. But Jill was great. Emma Roberts literally set herself up for years to come with that performance because now she she was in scream queens right after that american horror story she just slays all her horror roles so yeah and it was so fun in scream six we got to like reference all of the previous ghost face killers yeah see all of them yes. so i really loved that that is one thing that i've noticed with rewatches every time we enter the theater i notice something else yeah and we've seen it three times where i'm just like this is it feels so fresh every single time it's really enjoyable oh awesome that's so cool um, do you feel like having edited Scream Six takes away the repay, like the rewatchability for you, or you think it'll you'll take a break and you'll go back? <laughs> you mean, <laughs> oh, that's that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, so many things I work on, I'm like, you know, I watch them over, obviously, over and over and over again, and I love, you know, I never got tired of rewatching Scream Six, and lots of other people who worked on the movie too said that as well, like. You know, like the people who did the 3D conversion or the people who did the sound, you know, I mean, often, sometimes they get bored with the projects they're working on, you know, but so many people said the same thing as they just loved, you know, work on this and seeing it over and over again. So I don't know, usually after I've made something, I don't <laughs> tend to watch it a lot, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll have to, you know, I have a friend who I do scream marathons with. And now, I don't know, I guess we have to do a Scream 6. I don't know, that's weird now that I've worked <laughs> on it, but I don't know. <laughs> if I was there, as soon as we started Scream 6, I would just turn and look at you. Just right watching. Away. <laughs> I, would like, I would just look at you, give you the side eye right away. Like, I get it, though. With this podcast, I couldn't tell you. I don't go back and listen to anything. But yeah. I also have the terror of having to hear myself when I'm editing this thing. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but thank you so much, Jay, for your time. We really appreciate it through issues and all. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with us and giving yeah, us you know, you. a little insight to Scream 6. Great. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Really good to meet you guys. It was great to meet you. Yeah. Thank you again. <laughs> Where can anybody find you online? Like, do you have like a, a Twitter, an Instagram, anything? If you want people to follow you, if not, then that's okay. You know, I get it sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I've started kind of posting on my Twitter. <laughs> I've kind of <laughs> avoided social media for a long time. I have Facebook, which is just private, but you know, I don't know. I've kind of avoided the social medias, but just last year, I said, oh, maybe I should start to maybe, <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can. It's uh, uh, the Prichid, which is T-H-E-P-R-Y-C-H-I-D. Perfect. <laughs> we'll retweet everything from this point forward. Everything we see. We got you. Big fans. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you again. Thank you so much again for your time, Jay. Yeah, thank you. All right, guys. And that wraps us up. Thank you for listening and stay spooky. Speak, everybody. Bye.